We all need food to survive, but the way we produce and consume today is not sustainable nor healthy. We looked to science to find the answer, but got surprised. There was no clear answer on what a healthy diet from a sustainable food production really looked like. This is why EAT gathered 37 of the world's best scientists to get a definitive answer on what a healthy and sustainable diet looks like for all. Their joint result is the EAT Lancet Commission, not just a scientific report. It is a blueprint for a better and more sustainable future. It will have fundamental implications for how we produce, distribute, consume and waste food. Nothing will ever be the same again. The good news is that it's possible to feed healthy and sustainable food to a growing population. But to get there, you could argue that we'll have to question everything we know about food and learn how to eat again. I'm Dr Hazel Wallace from The Food Medic. And I'm Dr Sandro DeMeo, CEO of EAT. From the studio in London, we aim to translate the Eat Lancet findings into everyday actions to you, our global audience. This is the Let's Rethink Food podcast, a collaboration between Eat and The Food Medic. Twins and social media influencers David and Stephen Flynn have made their own business by embracing a more plant-based lifestyle. So what can we learn from their take on living healthy and sustainable? David and Stephen Flynn started The Happy Pair in 2004 in Greystones Island to create a happier, healthier world and build community. Today, they're renowned worldwide for their whole food and plant-based approach as chefs, award-winning and international best-selling authors, YouTube stars, regular international inspirational speakers and media contributors. You guys are living proof that a plant-forward diet and a plant-forward life is working out. Can you tell us how did you start and why is a more plant-based diet so appealing? Oh, good opener. <laughs> uh, so yes, this... and, I, and I have to say when when I say that the plant diet is working out, I have two of the most handsome men in front of me, uh, it's working out very well. Means a lot coming from you, Sam. <laughs> so it, just a, a small little backstory. We grew up yeah. in Greystones, which is a small town, about 20,000 people south of Dublin. We're twin brothers. We went to an all-boys school where we loved playing rugby and getting drunk. That was kind of, that was kind of thing. Yeah. We ate the standard Irish diet, meat and two veg, burgers and chips, pizzas. Went to university, studied business and kind of had very much bought into the American dream that money makes you happy. And we were, again, very much eating a traditional Irish diet. We were playing semi-pro rugby. Dave was kind of thinking about going professional in golf. We were doing male modeling. We were very oh, wow. much into materialism. Into, into materialism. <laughs> And then I guess we kind of just kind of lost faith in it. By the time we were 22, it was like, there must be more to life. What else is going on beyond our own social conditioning? Because we seem to be achieving what you're meant to achieve. And I don't feel any fulfillment or happiness. So we both went off on a quintessential um, voyage of self-discovery. So, wow. Which sounds very kind of twee and whatever. It sounds existential. Yeah, yeah, it really does. But Steve went off to Canada. I went off to South Africa to be a golf pro. And what happened? By a couple of different chances, Steve ends up living on the floor of this. Do you want to tell your story? Yeah, well, uh, maybe a few months prior to that, we were traveling around Europe. Mum, as a celebration for us for finishing university, bought us a month train ticket to travel around Europe. Awesome. And I remember at the time we'd signed up to do a marathon the end of October. And we didn't train, we didn't do anything. We were going around Europe, kind of getting drunk and chasing international women, really. That was, that was the height of it. And we came back end of September and we had the marathon in October, so in 30 days' time. And we weren't into health in any shape or form. We were into, as I said, a standard kind of Western diet. 
booze, a lot of booze. And this is back in 2000. And this one. is back in about 2000. And I guess we, we had two weeks before the marathon. So we said, right, let's do a detox. Went down to the local library, found a book on it. And we started eating brown bread instead of white bread. We started eating porridge instead of cornflakes. And we said no alcohol for two weeks. And uh, we ended up feeling really good. We didn't wow. win the marathon, but we managed to do it. It was like unraveling a ball of string. Like by the time we ended up, that January, you ended up, so this is January back in 2001, we both went away. First time ever living away from home. Yeah. And we both became vegetarian. Just, we were living in different parts of the world. We both became vegetarian at the same time. Then like being super competitive, identical twins, you're high, you're bred on competition because you've been competing for your mom's love and attention your whole life. So <laughs> we ended it's up. It's pretty obvious which one won. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> This being audio <laughs> but uh, so Steve became vegetarian, like we both became vegetarians. So then Stephen pulled ahead and he became a vegan. I became a righteous vegan. He got into raw food, so I got into cleansing and fasting. And I guess we really wanted to explore diet and how it affected us physically, mentally, emotionally, the effects on the planet, how it was grown. We ended up spending a couple of years working in organic farms, traveling, trying all sorts of different kind of experiences beyond our own social conditioning. And then one day back in 2003, Steve calls me and he says, Dave, Dave, I got this idea. Do you want to like try and start a health food revolution? This was his idealistic word at the time. And I thought that meant like, stop, we're going to be like Take storm in the parliament. <laughs> we're going to revolution. We're going to break stuff. Cool. <laughs> and he says, uh, do you want to start a vegetable shop, Dave? I was like, a vegetable shop? What's that going to do at revolution? Anyway, we left us two lads that were wearing Ralph Ren shirts, short back and sides. You know, we were going places. We we're going to be stockbrokers. <laughs> and uh, we came back as two long haired hippies, you know, wearing plaid pants, polyester shirts, we had trinkets, we had beads, and we were starting a vegetable. Starting a vegetable garden. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah and, so. and so, I mean, you describe yourselves as sort of the quintessential men, but the friends around you, what were they thinking at this time? This is 2000 and, you know, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah 2004. Yeah. And, you know, even though I'd, I'd never, Prior to traveling, I'd never met a man that was a vegetarian. I didn't know men could be vegetarians, you know, because we lived in a very isolated little world. And I came back and a lot of our friends prior to traveling were kind of rugby friends that we used to get drunk and talk about women. And, you know, it was, it was kind of very macho orientated. And we came back, we were much more into health, swimming in the sea, vegetables, Yoga. talking about lentils. You know, it was like <laughs> we needed new mates. And in essence, like as the expression goes, you kind of become the product of the five people you spend most time around. If we were to sustain our new healthy lifestyle, we needed to get new mates. So uh, we started our business. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I guess our business, we thought like if we start, started a business of what we wanted to find, we wanted to come across a shop that specialized in organic fruit and veg and local and it built a community beyond that. So we started this business for the most selfish reasons, really. And on the back of that, we built out a, a whole network. People started coming out of the woodwork that were interested in similar things. And I guess it just needed a culture. Like, mm. like with a sourdough culture, once it's strong enough, it starts to infiltrate and permeate places <laughs> that it never would and, previously. And you talk about a revolution but you started with a vegetable shop. I mean, what was the thinking? So we, we wanted it started as a charity and we ended up calling it the happy pair because it was two of us and we were selling fruit and we we're selling pears. But I remember Stephen was adamant. He was like, no, Dave, this is for bigger ideas. This is not about money. So Stephen was adamant that we call it a Flinner's Fruit and Veg for social change. Oh, wow. So, so, that, so that was what we wanted to start. So the ideals were very much right from the start. This was about changing the world. This was about making the world a better place. It was about trying to get people to eat more fruit and veg and it was about building community. And even when we first started, like a lot of mom and dad's friends from the golf club and the bridge, club, you know, prior to traveling, we were going places, you know, we were in university, we we're good at sport, you know, we had lots of potential. And here we were 24, we came back, 
we dressed in weird clothes. We drove a van and we sold cabbages. So a lot of people kind of thought they're, they're definitely selling drugs out the back. You know, this, this type of idea, it was okay. obviously we weren't. Um, but it was it was a shift of kind of pity or kind of distrust. People didn't really understand what we were doing. So it took a while to build people's trust and kind of, particularly in a small town, like if you've changed in your own small yeah. town, you've got to, it, it happens slowly. You've got to earn people's trust and build but a community. And You must have had such a strong vision to take that enormous leap. Um, we just I, had a huge belief in ourselves, like as in a belief that what we had encountered through our own changes, tra- changing our diet so massively and I guess connecting to greater ideals, we felt much more connected to our inner selves. And it was kind of like, I just want to like share this, you know, the way and try to inspire others to live a healthier, happier and, life and connect, connect. And even if I can tell a story on this, so this, so this is back about eight years ago, we'd been running the veg shop and we opened a vegetarian <coughs> cafe next door and whatever. As chefs, we used to do cooking demos upstairs. But you never felt people had really changed, you know, because mm. you'd see them outside the burger and chip shop the next day and you'd walk past and you'd see them looking guilty. Um, so so one day, uh, have you ever heard of Dean Ornish, Dr. Dean Ornish? No. Yeah, amazing doctor. Anyway, I was reading his book at the time and he was one of the doctors that showed in clinical trials you could reverse heart disease, lots of the indicators for heart disease. I was reading this and Steve one day says, geez, I was talking to Mary there the other day and she said she's lost three stone on Weight Watchers. And he says, I wonder, can we come up with a course on health that people can measure the improvement in their health? Hmm. So I was reading this book and Steve says, right, heart disease. You're reading that book on heart disease. I wonder, could we just put people on a plant-based diet for four weeks and see if their indicators for heart disease reverse? And that was the idea. So one Monday morning, this about eight years ago, we walked into the local doctor, knocking on his door. How are you, Brent? You know a nurse? And he says, yeah, Angela. So I call up to Angela and we say, Angela, we want to reverse heart disease. We need a nurse. Will you help us? And she said, lads, I would love to. Amazing. No, she did. And paying us. We said 50 quid. And, <laughs> and anyway, we put signs around the shop and we said, reverse heart disease. You know, we went for it. We were taking chances. We said, delicious, skinny, free, whatever. And we had 20 people sign up. And they came along to us for a four-week course. Angela measured their cholesterol, weight, and blood pressure. So we had starting measurements. They came upstairs to us and we taught them how to cook. It was like a, it was a plant-based cooking course. So we got people to eat porridge for breakfast, vegetable soups and salads for lunch. And, and dinners were more pad thais and chilies and, and wow. that type of stuff. It was moving, moving people away from a meat and two veg diet to a whole food plant-based diet for four weeks just to see what um, would happen. We put on videos with doctors in it just it gave a lot more um, validity to what validity. we were doing. Uh, when we were totally taking a punt at it, we didn't know it was going to work. This is back, it must be eight or nine years ago at this stage. Mm. After the four weeks, everyone came back, Angela measured the measurements. There was an average drop of cholesterol at 20%. There was everyone's blood pressure regulated. Um, people lost up to two stone in weight. We built an online course in the back of that and now we've had 15,000 people in, in 52 wow. different countries through it. That's and incredible. I guess it just illustrates the simple changes. You know? So jump forward to 2019. What does the happy pair look like? Yeah, it's gone from me and Dave, two hippies with a little red van, to now there's about 130, 140 people with wow. us. We have three cafes, two shops. We have a farm. We've written three number one best-selling cookbooks. Congratulations. We have, you, we have 30 <laughs> products in about 1,000 stores in Ireland. We have six products and about 300 stores in the UK. And I guess the whole mission is really, just, it's still the exact same. It's to try to get people to eat more fruit and veg, yeah. to have a laugh and, you know, enjoy themselves, really. And it's not about being veggie or vegan, because ultimately we're all going to die. It's about doing our best, enjoying life and trying to be a bit of a better version of yourself. And I think, I think like, it's not about perfect. It's about making progress. It's making little steps. And there is no perfect diet. Like, there really is. It's eating more fruit and veg. What's sustainable is having more energy, feeling good in your body, waking up in the morning and going, oh, I feel good. Like, that's sustainable. So it's it's making more steps towards that and I think that's the ultimate aim you know I love that it's not about perfect it's about progress yeah I just want to ask you very often the discussion when you're talking about diet change shifting what you eat it becomes very preachy 
you know, it's looking down on what other people are eating, feeling guilty about the fact that, you know, you're at the burger joint. How do you guys find that balance between delivering the message but not being preachy? Yeah, it's something that I guess, because we we had a fruit and veg shop for so long, you were kind of very much dealing with people continuously. And I know when we came back from traveling, we were very righteous. We were total fundamentalists. Like my granny, Granny May, she'd cook like an apple pie, you know, be full of butter and cream. And and granny would go, do you want a slice? No, granny, I'm a vegan. And, you know, an Irish grandmother shares her love through food. So like I was rejecting her food. And, you know, all for this ideal. And I guess over a number of years, I realized it was a lot better to be just accepting and have a little bit, you know, I, maybe I'd broken my perfect 100% yeah. vegan success rate and I had a little bit of granny's apple pie, but she, you know, it was a wonderful sharing experience. And as a result, I've kind of learned to be a bit more, less fundamentalist about things in myself. And as a result, I'm a lot more accepting of others. Yeah. Like we've been and more a, forgiving, more flexible. Yeah, yeah. Like we've been eating a vegan diet for about 17 years now. And when I go on holidays with my kids and we're in Italy and there's pistachio ice cream, it's like, absolutely. I can sit and have an ice cream with your kids and I can't wait. I'm on and the same so page. Joyful. It's so much joy and joy is really healthy. You know, it really is and guilt is unhealthy. Yeah. In many ways. The thing that really strikes me about The Happy Pair and I'm a big fan, I've been following you guys on social in particular, is that you're not just creating this movement that you talk about. You know, you started in a shop, but with a with a vision of a revolution and you've created a movement. I mean, thousands of people taking your courses, people all over the world. I'm a little worried about taking my bag to Heathrow later. I might get lynched. Someone wants to steal my happy pear bag. But you're also building a community. You feel very connected to you guys and, and there's a sense of we're all in this together. If I'm changing slightly what I'm eating First of all, it's not a hard in or out. There's that mm. flexibility which you talked about. But also, you feel like you're on a journey with the two of you. Can you tell us about the community that you've been building and how you use particularly social to, to drive that? Yeah, I tell two little it, yeah. stories. I'll tell, I'll tell the first one is more analog, less digital. But when we started the cafe first, we used to cook porridge in the shop. And we cook it because it was cold and it was December. Can I tell that story? Okay, you love that So we used to cook porridge because it was cold and the wind had whipped in and it was a vegetable shop. And at the time, Sally Marshall, who now lives in Melbourne, I think, or New Zealand or something, she was the manager at the time. She says, lads, we cook porridge every day. Why don't we sell it? And I was like, oh, that's why you're the manager, Sally. Great thinking. <laughs> and, uh, and Steve was like, no, we live in Greystones. We open at nine o'clock. No one's going to want porridge. And they backed and forth and had a little argument for a little bit. And uh, Steve says, right, I got an idea why don't we give the porridge away for free? Let's just give it away for free for a week and see if people won't take it for free, they're never really not going to pay for it. So that was the idea. And anyway, people would come in and we'd, uh, they'd say, I'll have uh, two coffees and I'll have a porridge and a scone and you'd go five euro and they'd go, oh, I think you forgot to charge me for the porridges there. And you'd go, uh, no, porridge is free. And they go, free? Wow, that's a great idea. Oh my God, how generous. And they'd tell their friend and, and it kind of built a sense of trust. Like, yeah. And by the end of the week, I remember Sally was like, right lads, what are we charging for parts? Five euro, 10 euro? What are we charging? You know, and we had this little discussion. C says, uh, why don't we give it away for free for just one more week? It feels really good. Like just one more week. And that one more week has been about 12 years now. <laughs> and about, I don't know how many million bowls of porridge at this stage. So, so <clears throat> where's my porridge? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to come to Greystones. Oh. Uh, one other more, but, but, but it was really just to symbolise that, like the community, and I think the simple little thing, but it brings people together, and you can help, you know, it help people eat healthier. Another kind of more digital story is when we first started our shop, we were very anti-technology, and we got an invite to go make juices and smoothies at an event called Web Summit in the Mansion House, which mm. subsequently has become the world's biggest tech conference. But it started out in its early days; it was a much smaller thing. 
And we went into the mansion house and me and Dave were making juice and smoothies for some fella called Jack Dorsey that founded this thing called Twitter and some fella Reed that founded something called Netflix and some fella Nikolai that founded this thing called Skype. We didn't know what any of these things were. We didn't have an idea. They were just, you know, anyone we had met. And we had good conversations. And I remember going in, listening to some of the talks and going, wow, this tech thing is sexy. I must like work out what a Twitter is and how a tweet does or what all this stuff does. And at the time, Dave had just had a baby. Well, not he himself, but he'd, he'd had a yeah, baby. <laughs> and he was walking Elsie to sleep and he took a picture of the sunrise and um, put it up on Twitter and people seemed to really engage with it. So we got in the habit of going down, seeing the sunrise, take a picture. And some days we'd swim and some days we wouldn't. And September, maybe about two and a half years ago, I was down there at the sea and we were taking a picture. It was a manky morning, windy, rainy, freezing. And um, I was taking a picture of the sunrise. There was a fella in swimming and he got out and he said, are you getting in? And you know when a man challenges, it's like, of course I'm getting in. Of course I'm getting in. Yeah, Yeah, and I had no intention of getting in. So I was like, oh no. That's why I'm never coming to visit. (laughs) (laughs) Damn male pride. So I got in for a swim and I got out and he said, see you here at the same time tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I really didn't feel like it, but it was, we'd had a nice conversation, nice exchange. So I met him the next day. The next day, Caroline was the beach. She came and joined us. And the next day, Hugo joined us. And before we knew it, there was five or six of us and we we're meeting every day to swim. And this was September. We didn't know if we'd keep doing it. We did October, we did November, we did December. Before we knew it, like we were kind of doing little bits on social media and people would regularly comment, geez, it looks gorgeous. Can I come and join you? And they didn't realize it was like minus two. There was yeah. a wind that would have skinned you. And I'm like, it was at 4 a.m. So I kind of got enough of these messages and I kind of said, kind of got interested in Snapchat because it was very immediate. It'd be like, mm. we're going having lunch. Does anyone want to meet me? And someone would actually show up like in the flesh. It was like, yeah. wow, it's gone from this little small phone into a real <laughs> human. And I kind of just put a story up there just saying, we're going swimming on Thursday. This was on a Tuesday morning. We're meeting at the Happy Pair at 4.30 a.m. And this was the big drop. Free porridge and tea. Ah, oh, we're uh, in. Yeah, we're in, exactly. <laughs> uh, met David at 4 a.m. And we cooked a little bit of porridge and cooked, made a little bit of tea. We thought there might be 10, maybe 15 people. We walked out, there's about 150 people. Wow. We all walked in the middle of the road, sun rose, and we made love. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, they made love, it was a joke. But um, something we, you know, every day of the week, we people from all over the world come and join us. And Incredible. it's a simple thing of just sharing a free experience, the sun rising, swimming in the sea, and just a zest for life and amazing. Like we've had ones where we've had 500, 700 people. These are public ones. Like we arrange public ones every now and again. And then every day there's a local community of us that swim and people tend to dip in and out of that from different places. And it's a wonderful community and kind of just sense of tribe and togetherness. Yeah. Which is often linked. But that's it. You're building a community and people feel as though they're part of something. And whether it's online from the other side of the world or whether it's swimming with you in your hometown, people feel as though they're part of something of which diet and eating healthier and being healthier and happier is one part, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And actually, it's much bigger than that. It's it's this feeling of being a totally part of your agree. community. We often do. We do a lot of talks to different businesses, which is great. You get to talk and try to inspire them. And what people will often say, that, like at the end of the talk, we'll say, hey, listen, like people think health is kale. They think it's yoga. It has to be turmeric and I have to go to bed early and whatever. And it's saying like, no, like, look, we all know some grandfather or grandmother that's 95. She smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. She drank a bottle of vodka. She didn't eat a vegetable in her life. She laughed a lot. She had no stress. She she surrounded herself with people. And, and that was what made her healthy. So I think this health is a combination of many factors. And I think it's finding the balance between it all. I mm. think there's so many different factors. And it's it's not just healthy. There's no point in eating kale through gritted, gritted teeth saying, I hate kale, because mm. that's not healthy. You know, eat the chocolate cake and enjoy it. And laugh a little more you know so 
time is, you know, racing away as always. But as we come to the end, I want to ask you, what are some simple things that listeners of the podcast can start to do apart from get engaged, maybe come for a swim, at least add, <laughs> add it to their bucket list for life to do at least one swim with you two. But what are three things that anyone could go out and do tomorrow to be a step closer to the revolution that you guys are driving? It's not an all or nothing thing. People seem to believe that they're mutually exclusive. You're healthy or you're not. It's a continuum. It's about doing your best. If you eat meat 14 times a week, maybe try 13. Maybe, you know, we're in fruit season now in Northern Hemisphere. Mm. Oranges are amazing. amazing. Eat a load of oranges, you know. Find just a simple entry point and be kind to yourself because laughter and joy is extremely healthy and guilt isn't. So I think it's about being kind to yourself. I think it's a good basic Making one step at a time. And then I would say on a bigger thing, I would say I think movement. I think movement is so important. You know, we live... As a society nowadays, we live a life of convenience where mm. we're quite sedentary. And I think movement is such a basic thing to our own happiness. And when we feel better, we're much more likely to make healthier food choices. What's so the metric around that, Dave? Uh, I would, a great question, Steve. Uh, I would say to try to get at least 10,000 steps a day. Awesome. Everyone's smartphone measures it. You know, you don't have to go out and buy some kind of little watch that counts it. Your smartphone counts it. It's a basic thing. I know I count it every day. And when I look at it, I really just focus on it. It's what you measure, you will manage. So, uh, And last and final thing, I think it's pessimistic as this sounds. I think it's what we kind of must realise we're going to die one day and it's about having as much fun and enjoying our life and ultimately sharing as much love and connectivity as we possibly can. So I think on that note, don't take life too serious. Enjoy it. Have a laugh and share a bit of love. And what they say, what they say from the blue zone, so the places in the world where there's the most mental centenarians that live long, happy, fulfilled lives. They say once they boil all their lifestyle factors down to one thing, they say it's about connection, it's about tribe, it's about community because that's what really brings out the real joy in life is sharing things and feeling a sense of belonging. So I think community is so fundamental if you want to be a healthier version of yourself try to find friends that are into the same type of thing and being part of something yeah yeah, yeah. 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 well there's only one thing left to do and that's locking a date for porridge and a swim <laughs> <laughs> guys thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute blast we had big expectations and we were super excited and you've gone and uh, blown them away it's been an absolute pleasure thank you thank you, thank you, thank you, so you for having me thank you <laughs>